In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Melissa Tittle is star and host of the popular TV series UFO Witness. She's former head of content and development at the Gaia Network and an established journalist, producer, and documentarian. Her new film, which just took home some hardware from the Midwest Weird West Film Festival, is Code 12. The code out of the matrix. Melissa Tittle, welcome to Coast to Coast. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, so this this journey to, um, I guess, discover the secret nature of reality, uh, unravel this ancient code that's found in tombs and ancient sacred sites around the world, all began with a dream, a recurring dream you've had since childhood. Uh, tell Tell us about it. Um, you know, this, this whole documentary, uh, became pretty personal for me. Um, and I, you know, I think all of us that are probably listening to this or are doing similar research have had some kind of personal interaction with whatever material that they're, they're going down a rabbit hole with. (laughs) And, you know, I'm no different. And, um, I had this, this dream it just kept reoccurring where I was, I was in a desert. Um, and the desert was very specific. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you in a little bit why that's important. Um, and I was in this desert with what looked to be a staff. And um, I would go to a specific spot and I would hit the ground with the staff. And all these uh, lines, consecutive circles would 
would reverberate out, and then these uh, 12 spokes of a wheel would come out, and then it would get really bright, and then it would disappear, and the dream was over. And it just kept happening over and over and over again. And I think it wasn't until I started working on Ancient Aliens, um, you know, a million years ago, when it first started, that whole series, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, that I started kind of putting together some of the symbolism some of the people that we were interviewing or I was reading some of their books that we were considering some thought processes for the show. And I thought, you know, is there a pattern to this? So this has been going on a lot. And, and throughout the years, I've kind of put some pieces together and I thought there's something else going on here. There's, there's a lot of people obsessed with codes on this planet and um, with the idea of fractals and the, and the Da Vinci code. And, and I, basically all of that is true, but what I'm saying is there's another code that's overlaid behind all of that, all the stuff that people have already put together. There's something else going on. And I think that um, this that we're going to talk about is, is a code that allows us to get out of this other code that's been kind of overlaid our, our society and our understanding of the universe. One of the first people that you went to to try and unravel this secret uh, was Maria Wheatley, who we know as an author and an expert on Stonehenge, and she's a dowser, and she uh, she researches Earth's energies. What did she make of this dream and these concentric circles? I mean, Maria is... Um, Maria's known for a lot of work at Stonehenge and Avery. Um, and, uh, you know, but she understands things from looking at, uh, the patterns that the earth creates. And, um, she really led me to, uh, some really old books, uh, books that I could even, uh, when I tried to get some of the images cleared, I could, they, I don't even, people aren't alive. They're so old. <laughs> like, I, you know, I've never even heard of these people. Um, but they really talk about these kind of reverberations that these temples leave, um, and how they're all across the planet and how they possibly could have communicated with each other. Of course, she's a dowser, so uh, we're talking about ley lines and dragon lines and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, not just the concentric circles of Stonehenge or Avebury, but, um, but that these, these temples around the world created this, they create some kind of rippling effect. And I thought that was really interesting because I think... As humans, we really want to be verbatim with our limited understanding of what things mean. And she led me on this path to think, okay, I'm having this concentric circle, 12-spoke dream, whatever that is. And she's talking about concentric circles from the idea of frequency and temples and structures being built on certain spots to create that frequency. And, um, and we were talking about Atlantis and how, uh, you know, even the, the, I, the concentric circles of Atlantis um, have that kind of concept. It's almost built as if it's capturing that frequency. And I thought, I, you know, all stories and mythologies are, are kind of built on people's understanding of what's going on. And it could be that our understanding of how Atlantis was built was actually a metaphor for how it worked. Like the symbolism of the concentric circles is how Atlantis 
operated instead of, okay, it was built in concentric circles. Right, right. In Plato's dialogues, we learn that uh, Atlantis is a city on an island surrounded by mm. several bodies of, of water. So that's where we get this, the, the concentric circles, which looks an awful lot like uh, the concentric circles in your dream. What did, where, did the, um, where does Maria Wheatley believe um, the, these circles are generated from? Are they from deep within the earth they come, and they come percolating up? Yeah, there's these hot, there's these, uh, I'm just going to call them for the sake of, I was just, we use the word hotspots. I don't think that's the right terminology, but we'll, we'll call it hotspots. Uh, and ancient people knew this. And so they, they built a temple in a certain construction to capture that energy uh, and be able to harness the direction of that and create these, uh, these waves, if you will, of frequency. Uh, the thought process is, and of course, it's not just my idea. This is there's other people that uh, have had this thought too. That like all these massive structures have a similar building code to them, and c could they have communicated with each other in some kind of ancient technology that's not working today? Quite quite possibly, but um, and that kind of goes into her theory of like the the idea that these are built on certain places. They have a certain construction and design to them. And then that kind of harnesses the energy of those frequencies, concentric circles. Um, and, uh, you know, what's really interesting is that in the, the uh, dialogues of Timaeus and Cretaeus that Plato talks about, he gives an actual measurement for, the, for Atlantis um, of how big it was. And this is what I always find really interesting and uh, I talk about this a little bit in the documentary, is that we have all these measurements for buildings. Like, why do I need to know? At this stage, some 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years later, why do I need to know how big Solomon's Temple is? Why do I need to know the measurements of Atlantis? I don't know much about Atlantis. I know that it's concentric circles. It, it, there's a placement that he gives between two land masses, which is, which is why everyone has come up with where they think Atlantis is. And of course, um, then there's this idea of this measurement. And I'm, I'm always thinking like, okay, after all these years, why do we need to know the measurements of the building? I'm not like, Melissa lives at this address and her building is this tall and this wide. Right. Too much <laughs> information. It's like, okay, we, we went on this whole path about what's happening with these people at Solomon's Temple and then we get into the measurements. Unless, <laughs> unless that is part of the coding. And they're hoping people will figure that out, that, that, that the, the reason that these numbers are given is that they become the numbers of how it operates. And there is a specific number of how Atlantis operates. And uh, Maria was able to figure that out, which I thought was so fascinating. And um, the, the numbers that are given, if you use it in a division of 10, so if, let's say you, the number that you... Uh, that is given for the uh, measurement of Atlantis. Uh, if you divide that by 10, you get, um, or you multiply it by 10, you get the actual circumference of the Earth. So why are we, why is that encoded in Atlantis? Unless it's a metaphor for something else. 
And you see that you see that all over with these temples. They talk about there's this, you know, flowery romantic story that's happening at the temple, and then all of a sudden we're talking about measurement. And uh, and and that's kind of what this whole conversation with Maria. I'm like, okay, maybe we're looking at this all wrong. Maybe we're looking at we're looking at one direction of one measurement and one understanding. Uh, quite possibly the the idea that of how everything's encoded with this. Fibonacci code, Da Vinci code type stuff. And we're not looking at some of the other weird anomalies at these buildings, these temples, at these, at these mythologies, at these stories, but that there's, I think there's two codes happening at the same time. One that's locked us into our current timeline right now, and another one that offers us a way out. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. All right, so let's let's drill down a little bit uh, because this is fascinating. When you talked about the measurements of Atlantis's diameter, and, and again, this is coming from Plato's dialogues, and it's quite specific. He mentions 127 stadia. I have no idea what a stadia is, but it works out to what roughly 79,200 feet. So, yeah. and then you say we divide that by 10 because as we 
as we learn from you and the documentary, uh, that that just about our entire reality is comprised of, you know, it's based on base 10. So we divide 79,200 by 10 and we get this 79.20, which keeps popping up time and time again, 79.2, 79.2, even in Stonehenge, apparently, right? Yep. Yeah. Even in Stonehenge, you see the, these exact same measurements. Uh, now, these are only two locations that we kind of dive into with Maria. Um, but she's, she, what she's saying is that why, why this measurement? Why this, this understanding? What are they trying to tell us? And why would you put that there? Um, I, I, I agree. Why? Like, why? Unless, unless that, that measurement was important to encode in that temple so that it was in frequency and residency with with um, with the whole entire planet, right? I mean, that's that's what kind of rang in my mind. Like, okay, well, how many of these other temples and locations have this kind of same measurement or understanding? Right. So next stop is um, Billy Carson, who, of course, is very familiar to coast to coast listeners. And Billy Carson has has written extensively about uh, the emerald tablets, which are, according to legend, were written by the uh, Egyptian god Toth. What do the emerald tablets have to do with all this? Um, so the emerald tablets, you know, we just take we just take this concept a little bit further. Okay, so somebody, some we'll say somebody or, or lots of people knew that if they built all these temples on these on these uh, hotspots, these points. And they were able to magnify the frequencies. Uh, somebody had to have a, an overall arching plan for how those frequencies are going to be used. Of course, we are insinuating that, you know, maybe all these temples and locations communicated with each other. And if that's so, then there's a big architect that's created this system of, of, uh, of this communication and this understanding. And what Billy Carson has, uh, which is he's really into, and he's written a book about it, is the Emerald Tablets. And and there, um, and this isn't the first place that talks about toasting the architect, but this is his kind of book. This is his him saying, "Look, I created, uh, I created this this system, um, and this is how I did it." And so we get into those specifics. And uh, you know what's really interesting about the Emerald Tablets? For some reason, it's not the most popular uh, books. Like I, I, like when I talk to people, like people will quote things from other books and everything. But it's it's weird. It's like people bring up the Emerald Tablets and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, the Emerald Tablets. <laughs> and I don't know why that is. There's just like a weird thing in our brain that I think there's people that are really in. They they it's really it's a hard read, but they're into it. And there's just people that just overlook it. That like it's some kind of document that exists that our book, but, uh, but it's just not, doesn't resonate in our human minds, which I think is also a really interesting thing. Side note. Um, so in the Emerald Tablets, he talks about how he's kind of the architect for all of this. So he basically puts a stamp on it. He's like, look, I understand how this all works. And I created it. I created this worldwide type of, of network. Um, and he talks about that, uh, 
after the fall of Atlantis, um, in specific detail, that there was the reason for the fall of Atlantis, and, and a lot of people know this, this part a little bit, is that um, there were, he calls it the masters of the white and the masters of the, of the dark, depending on your interpretation and the book you have that's translated for the Emerald Tablets. But he says that at one point, these, this, these, this group of people or whatever got together and decided they wanted more power in the, in the idea of Atlantis. Right. So here we have Toast saying, yes, Atlantis existed um, and that there was this, this great, it had this great power and there was a kind of this golden age for everybody. But there was a group of people that wanted a little bit more power. And what they did was they invited what he calls these, these, uh, uh, these, this darkness into human souls. It could only exist. It was in another dimension. It could only exist if they brought it in and it kind of it, encompasses itself into uh, he, like the blood of man, basically. Um, and this was starting to infect the, the inhabitants of Atlantis. So the Masters of the White, this is uh, according to the interpretation I have, came in and said, okay, enough. We have to stop this before it takes over most of humanity. We need to create a system that, that blocks them out. And so the fall of Atlantis was the cutting off of humans being able to be able to be part of the universe like they used to, which was part of the golden age, and and putting them in a, a like almost like a bubble so that they couldn't they couldn't they wouldn't be taken over by this darkness that now had kind of invaded, he says, the hearts of man. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., 
And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.